This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingle, Taylor Moore, Jay Darden, Congressman Garrett Gray, Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark, Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Episode 200. That's right. Thank you for being with me on this journey that started nearly four years ago. It has been a fun ride. And it's just getting started. On today's episode of The Clay Young Show, we're going to be talking with my first 50th, 100th, 150th guest. That's right. And it's the same person. Commissioner of Administration Jay Darden, who was the first guest on this show. Jay and I go back. Nearly 20 years, he is a really, really good guy who, is, uh, who has given his adult life to service to Louisiana, and he currently is the Commissioner of Administration for guest number two on the show, Governor John Bell Edwards, and we will talk with the governor about where Louisiana is now, what's happening in the legislature, we'll do a couple of, of discussions or have a couple of conversations about things that are happening right now in the fiscal session of the legislature and where Louisiana is heading headed. I'm, I'm hoping to be able to get the governor back to get in the in the weeds on some things in the future. Now today really is just an opportunity for you to hear how he thinks. And if you've never heard him in an interview or never had a discussion with him, you'll get to know how he formulates thoughts on some of these policies. Some will disagree, some will agree, but you'll get to hear how he thinks, and, and I think that's important. Commissioner Darden, on the other hand, we, we will get into the weeds on some things and just chat because, like I said, he's, he's a good friend. And it's interesting because he was a competitor of Governor Edwards in the campaign four years ago. And now they work together. And, you know, Jay has taken some, some heat from people over that, him being a, a Republican and the governor being a Democrat. You know, people are, are on him about why would you do that? And I remember our conversation about it, Jason and mine, and he talked about how much respect he has for Governor Edwards and being able to partner with him. And I think, man, if if you think that is wrong, if you think people shouldn't do that, then you probably think all of the wrangling in Washington is OK. And of course, it's not. Things would be a lot better if we could come to really solutions on many of the things going on in our society. Let's face it, you know, in, in politics, you're not going to fix everything. Uh, sitting in on my studio wall here, right in front of me, is one of my favorite quotes from Vince Lombardi. For those of you under the age of 35, Vince Lombardi was the coach of the Green Bay Packers and the trophy that the guys in the NFL hold up at the end of the Super Bowl is named in his honor. And the quote is, perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. And I think that's got to be the decision-making motivation for most things, that you're just trying to get it to be as good as it can be. And sometimes that means you're going to argue, scream, shout, but you come to a conclusion. Well, hell, that's hard to do in politics now. 
because the two sides don't rarely want to eat. They rarely even want to talk to one another. You can't be seen in a coffee shop with a Democrat if you're a Republican or the other way around. And listen, I have no problem with people who want to run for office against people. That's the that's a part of the American process. We're a constitutional republic and people have the right if they want to to run for office against someone. But make it about the issues. And I'm excited as it relates to the conversation with the governor to be able to hear how he thinks on some of these things and then hopefully in the future get him back. And that's that's the the context of how we're going to go about this with him today. And uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to it and we'll try to get him back in the future to talk specifically about some other things. Shout out to Shauna Sanford, who helped set this whole thing up. Shauna is someone I've known a long time, former broadcaster here, both television and radio. She was great at it, too. So with that, we'll take a quick break and come back with the commissioner of administration, Jay Darden, here on The Clay Young Show. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. This This is the Clay Young Young Show. All right, back with... The man who was my first podcast guest, and then my 50th, and my 100th, and my 150th, and as luck would have it, we're doing show number 200, so guess what happens? He's back again. It's <laughs> and, not luck. I'm, I'm glad to be a part of these memorial events. Well, listen, Commissioner of Administration Jay Darden is our guest on the show. Do you, do you realize when we did that first interview, you were still Lieutenant Governor? been a while obviously 200 episodes is a ways back and i I remember the first remember the first one remember a number of our conversations and glad that you've had the success it gets you to number 200 thank you my friend it it has been we've talked other times too about different things but it's like a you know here here's here's hoping that we're we're laughing and talking at show at episode 1000 i can i can live with that (laughs) i I could too well so so you know there's a lot going on. Obviously, we're in the session and it's there's a lot of business going on. So for people who are not keeping up because folks have busy, folks are busy, they have lives. What's the priority? What's the agenda for this legislative session? 
this is a fiscal only session, so legislators can only file five bills that are not related specifically to fiscal matters. So it's a uh, a lesser number of uh, of bills that are under consideration. As always, the focus is around the budget. The, the good news. This year, unlike our previous three years, is we're not talking revenue measures anymore. We've got revenue, and we just now are deciding how that money is divided based upon what the legislature um, makes as priority. So um, the, there are a lot, there's a lot of debate about the budget. Obviously, when you have money, there are a lot of people who want that, those funds, and so there are a lot of hands out, and there are a lot of needs in the state uh, that are requesting to be filled. And the, the undercurrent of this whole debate about the budget centers around the uh, teacher pay raise and whether or not there'll be a plus up for K to 12 education in general, the 60, uh, 60 some odd different school districts. Uh, and there's also a push to try and put some money in early childhood, uh, pre-K funding and and uh, that's been a priority in the state and that needs an awful lot of money. There's not enough to go around to create what a lot of people would like to do uh, in this area. But I think at the end of the day, you'll see some additional funds for uh, this program. It's interesting because I, I see a lot of the commentary on that. And I think you would agree that we we can do a better job, not just in Louisiana, but across the country with better pay for educators and police officers, for that matter. How will the politics of this pay raise play out and whether or not it's going to happen? It's going to happen. The pay raise is going to happen. I don't have any doubt about that. There, there are no dissenting voices about whether or not there should be a pay raise. There may be some debate about whether the raise should be granted to all teachers as the governor is proposing or whether there ought to be some criteria as to who gets it. But I think at the end of the day, there will be a $1,000 pay raise for, for teachers and $500 pay raise for uh, support workers. I, I think that's probably what will happen, but that, that those numbers could shift a little bit based upon the debate in the legislature. But we're hopeful that every teacher will get a $1,000 raise. That inches them closer to the southern average. We hit the southern average a number of years ago, but because we haven't had raises in a decade, we've fallen behind again. So the real debate is going to be over whether – the districts get a 1.375 increase in their formula funding from the state mm-hmm. or whether that money is directed somewhere else. Up in Bossier Parish, I know this fall they've got a tax initiative on the ballot that, that I think will give teachers something like a $7,000 a year pay raise, which if it happens will likely mean a hell of a lot of people will be moving to North Louisiana if they want to teach kids. But you know, when you look at something like that, how does that, and other areas have talked about it, there have been discussions about raises here in Baton Rouge as well, how do those local municipality efforts play into your psyche about teacher pay raises? Well, the the funding for K-12 education in Louisiana is called the Minimum Foundation right. Right. Program. The right. min- it's supposed to be a minimum amount that the state gives to every district right. to be supplemented, obviously, by their local taxes, usually property taxes, sometimes sure. other types. Um, it, it doesn't play into it directly because this is an effort to up what the state contributes to everybody on an equal basis. Mm-hmm. There are rich parishes and poor parishes as it relates to their ability to raise money for education. Uh, a lot of a lot of parishes have tried to raise taxes and, and they failed. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in Bossier because it's a very conservative parish, as right. you know, right. very strong Republican anti-tax um, place. That's right. And they've got a very aggressive, very ambitious proposal. I, I'm not sure where it's going to go, uh, given the, the voting tendencies in that area, but that would be certainly a huge amount of money uh, to be poured into the school system to try and attract teachers. 
It is. And, you know, this this discussion and, and the tone of it, the, one of the other things that we've heard a lot about is tort reform and where the state's going to stand on some of that with attorneys and the way that works. And, and again, I, most people, their eyes glaze over, Jay, when they're hearing this stuff because it's so in the weeds. But for people listening and who want to understand what we are doing to address you know, some of the lawsuits, I mean, you got a law degree, you know how, how some of that works and, and, and understand it. For the layman's out there who are listening and thinking, okay, how does this affect me? How does it affect them? Well, there are a couple of bills going through the process. The one that's getting the most attention would, would be aimed at reducing overall automobile insurance rates. Right. The bill doesn't mandate that reduction, which is going to be the real linchpin in the debate. If we do these things, are we going to be guaranteed a reduction? And that's the question that's going to be coming up in the debate. The bill does a number of different things, and I, I don't know all the nuances of it, but I know some of the, the general components, and that is to lower the, what's called the jury trial threshold right. uh, so that you would have more jury trials in the state, and, and defendants usually look at that as a, uh, a plus um, to have juries decide rather than judges decide in, in some jurisdictions. Um, there, in, in addition, that, that bill, I think, also addresses some other areas like lengthening the time in which you could file a, a lawsuit from one year to two years. You have one year from the date of an accident to file a lawsuit, and one of the proposals is to extend that to two years, so you would give people a longer amount of time to uh, to file a lawsuit. I mean, that that's a double-edged sword in the eyes of a lot of people. For example, the state is sued an awful lot. We pay an awful lot of the taxpayers' money in settlements of lawsuits and in judgments against the state mm-hmm. for negligent conduct. Mm-hmm. Our risk management people who are in my office under under my jurisdiction in the Division of Administration are not real happy with that. They, they typically don't get notice of claims against the state until lawsuits are filed. And so if you give people a longer time to sue, you could potentially be doubling the amount of time that no investigation is done by the risk management people to determine if the state did anything wrong. And that's kind of a disadvantage for the state. So we're not real anxious to see that happen for claims against the state. But those are just a couple of examples of things that are in that bill that are that are deemed to be um, reform efforts or cha- certainly change efforts in the law. That's one of the things, you know, the, the governor is going to be on a little bit later on. And, and that's one of the things that I wanted to ask him about, because you're right, there there is... There are two sides to this coin, two different sides, and, you know, making it harder for people to sue uh, to try to lower the number of frivolous lawsuits is definitely in the in the details on this. But you're saying the backside of this could be detrimental to the state or to local governments in the case of some accident or something. Yeah, it, it can it can work both ways. I mean, when the state is a defendant, you want to do an investigation as soon as possible after an accident to try and talk to witnesses and gather statements and, and evidence as to whether you did something wrong, somebody else did, or the plaintiff, for example, did something wrong. And if you don't know that you're being sued until two years after the fact, that's an awful long time to have not done anything. So that's a disadvantage to the to the state. But the aim of, of most of this legislation centers around lowering automobile insurance rates by doing things that are generally more favorable uh, to to people who are being sued, people in the business community that are objecting to the number of lawsuits. And you can debate all day the nature of frivolous lawsuits in sure. Louisiana. That's a very easy phrase to throw around, but 
um, it's hard, very difficult to say what's re- truly fr- frivolous. And then a lot of people talk about unnecessary lawsuits, but if, if you're the person who's been injured, of course, or hurt in some way, and it's someone else's fault, you're going to want to have a chance to say um, that somebody is entitled to compensate you. But, but that argument goes both ways, and I, I you know, practice law on both sides of that fence and understand right. the arguments that are that are made uh, both ways. At, at the end of the day, the, you want the legislature to make policy decisions that are in the best interest of most people in Louisiana in an effort to try and reduce rates. But if you're going to enact laws that don't have the automatic consequence of reducing rates, some would say you're not accomplishing the end goal. Yeah, and it's the interesting thing, and some of this stuff, not to be redundant, because I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Governor Edwards about, so we we don't have to do these things twice. Um, but I think the nature of politics now, not just here, but in the country, man, it it discourages me about the ability to get much done. And I, quite frankly, I do blame both sides of the aisle often when it comes to that. That it's hard to get to solutions because of all of the silliness that happens in the buildup. Do you think, from my perspective, that's a fair way to feel based upon what I'm seeing? Well, of course. I mean, we've been talking about it for for some period of time, certainly during this term we have, where, where there just seems to be um, conflict that just can't get resolved and an inability to reach a reasonable compromise in a reasonable amount of time. Um, with everyone given a little. And, and you know, you can blame, you, there's blame everywhere, whether you're in our state where you have a Democrat governor and a Republican majority in the legislature, whether you have the split that exists in the United States Congress between the House and the Senate with the president. Uh, but it is unfortunate, I think, that we have devolved societally to where if you win, then I've got to lose. And if I win, I've got to make sure you lose. Instead of trying to find some reasonable middle ground, um, you know, compromise has become kind of a dirty word in, in politics, or at least in, in the, the way that politics is being portrayed by, by partisans on both sides. And it's one of the reasons I'm in the position I'm in. I'm a Republican, and I'm yeah. working with the Democratic governor because I wanted to put Louisiana first and try and do what I thought was best for the, for the state and, and um, not, not simply try and stop everything because the wrong party is in the governor's mansion. Man, that segue was as good as a steak at Ben 77, which you know all about. Cause, cause I, <laughs> yeah, we need to go back and have another one. <laughs> that's right. I was going to ask that question. So you are you are now almost um, four years into this partnership, you being not just a, a former Republican legislator, former Republican statewide elected official, but a former Republican challenger to this current Democratic governor. I, for people who are wondering how y'all coexist with principles and everything, kind of talk talk about that a little bit. Well, I, we got to know each other very well during the campaign. I've said this many times before, and I, I came to know and respect John Bell during the during that time and, and decided he was the best man for the job, if I if I couldn't have it, obviously I was interested in having it, but that wasn't meant to be. And and we, I think, are very similar in our styles and our the way we address problems and the way we uh, try and reach solutions. And I don't agree with every single thing that the governor thinks from a political standpoint, but that's okay. I mean, my job is to manage the budget and to uh, to work on the org- the administrative side of of government. But he is a, a guy who makes good decisions, quick decisions. 
uh, is working like crazy all across the state and has been for the past four years uh, to try and make things better. And, and he is an honorable guy, and, and, and certainly there are going to be political barbs thrown at him during the campaign that are not fair, but I understand that how that goes. But this is a guy who deserves a second term and who, who has done a great job for the people of Louisiana and and uh, I've been proud to be a part of this team, which, which, by the way, is as he said before, when he sits around making policy decisions, there are three or four Republicans sitting around the table helping make the decision in the, in the leadership team in this, in this administration. And uh, that doesn't mean we've changed our conservative stripes because we're working in this administration, despite what some people will say. Um, and, and nevertheless, the way the governor governs, is is really and truly from the middle looking at what's going to be best for the state. How can we get things done uh, in a responsible way? How can our budget be fiscally responsible and accountable to the people? And and I use the word again, responsible, because in the past it wasn't responsible. As we've said many times before, we were using one-time money for recurring expenses. And that's true. when that one-time money runs out, it's gone. And that's what's happened, and we've ended that. We're only spending what we have on a recurring basis, and that's uh, that's why the legislature was in the position that they had to raise revenue because that practice had not been followed in the previous administration. And, of course, it was, it's the Republican-controlled legislation that is voted for the revenue measures that the governor is criticized for supporting. So everybody saw the need to find a solution to a very dramatic problem, and a solution has been found. And I think we've now got some stability in our budget, and we actually have had surpluses now for two years in a row after facing a $2 billion deficit. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, a, that's a, a pretty good report card in terms of managing uh, a budget. I think that uh, that what you just said plays to how Governor Edwards could have a popularity that is anywhere from the mid 40s to the low 50s, depending on where you are. I think that's a part of it. I think it's performance. This is a bright red state, maybe the reddest state in the Gulf South. And the fact that he's polling that high, I do believe, is a reflection of people not having a problem with him. And 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 that's because the there was so much crisis over the budget and there is a surplus now. I mean, it's it's just the truth. It's not politics. It's the truth. Yeah, that's right. And no matter how you spin it, you can't change the facts. As I've said many times over the course of the past three years, as we debated things and kind of uh, taken the arrows that are they're flung at us, is it? Let's talk about facts. I mean, let's talk about facts and, and point to uh, what's been accomplished and, and why it was done and what got us into this situation to begin with. And and I know that's what the governor's going to be talking about over the next several months. Is let's let is, he'll be saying, "Judge me factually based upon what we've done, what we've accomplished." Not not based upon some false label uh, from a from a partisan standpoint. What do you think about the tone in the legislature? I mean, you were there years ago, and 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 I spent nearly twenty years either covering it or talking about it on on radio or television. And the nature of debate in both chambers now is pretty frustrating to see, and juvenile uh, a lot of uh, on a lot of occasions. What can be done, man, about that, if anything? Most people who are observers of this process would tell you that that things have been a lot more acrimonious these three years than they have been in the past, and that in the past people could disagree but but not be disagreeable and could get along from um, uh, outside of the rails 
standpoint, there's not as much socializing and fraternizing among members of the legislature as there used to be. And that's that's really not a good thing, because I think anybody who's involved in, in public service like this will tell you you develop relationships and friendships with people with whom you disagree. And, it, and it's okay in a democratic setting like we have in, in a, a legislative body to disagree. That's that's healthy and to have debate. But it's not healthy when when you're personally attacking people and you're you're not trying to reach some kind of common ground and that your only mission is to frustrate what the other person is trying to accomplish. And and we've seen a lot of that during during this these past three years. And that that is very frustrating. And having been there at a time where I was in the minority uh, opposing the leadership in the governor's mansion and then flipping and being a part of the majority under Governor Foster. And I mean, I've seen it from both sides, and and uh, it's never been quite as, as uh, pointed as it is right now, and that is that has been frustrating. And, and I'm, I think it's been frustrating to people as well who generally seem to think that legislators ought to not forsake their principles, but they ought to try and find common ground to, to solve some of the many challenges that we have in Louisiana. Yeah. What about you? I mean, and we've chatted about this when you decided to to go back to something we were talking about earlier, when you decided that you did want to take on this post and be a part of this administration. You you know some of the people who are in the legislature now. They were colleagues of yours. Some of them have been there so long. You know, what what feedback do you get specifically from Republicans, you know, working currently with Governor Edwards? Well, I, I have a good relationship with, with all the folks I'm working with here, and I've, as you say, I've known many of them for, for a long time, served with them. So, uh, you know, we have a pre-existing uh, relationship. It doesn't mean that they're not going to be uh, opposed maybe to something that I'm advocating on behalf of the governor or what have you, but uh, I haven't had any personal uh, concerns or problems in dealing with the, the people in the legislature, and I understand the nature of being a legislator and what you have to do. Um, so it hadn't, I mean, I know I've, I've criticized on many fronts for being a Republican who's working with a Democrat governor, but I, I certainly understood that was going to be the case and that was going to happen when I decided to do what I did. Yeah, you know, it's, but some of that uh, to me has always been a little bit silly and, and I generally tend to avoid people who, who mandate that you have to think like them. Uh, I just, I don't think that's a healthy behavior when you have to think like someone else. I mean, I, disagreement can sometimes be the best way to get the best solution. And if people don't only want to be around people who agree with them, how the hell can they learn anything? Yeah, well, I, that's true. I agree with you. Well, listen, I, I appreciate the time. We're going to, have to do this one time face to face, or maybe we'll just go over to Ben and have a, have a slab of cow. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a plan. <laughs> well, listen. But again, congratulations. I, I mean, I know this has been a, a, a great labor of love for you to put this whole thing together and to talk to a lot of interesting people over the 200 episodes, and I'm, I'm glad to have an opportunity to have been a part of some of them. Well, listen, brother, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for being on great. again. Good talking to you. See you soon. Commissioner of Administration, Jay Darden. All right, we'll take a quick break and come back and talk with the governor of the great state of Louisiana, John Bell Edwards will be our guest on episode 200 of The Clay Young Show next. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Rodri, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app.
Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is The Clay Young Show. Back with Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards, who is, as we speak right now, in the middle of a fiscal session, as we call them down here in Louisiana. It's an abbreviated version of our annual session, and the governor has got a lot of balls in the air right now because in addition to running the state and being a part of working his agenda in the in the legislature, this is also an election year. So, uh, man, you got more on your plate than you can say grace over. How are you, Governor? You know, I'm doing fine, Clay, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and everybody who who uh, participates and listens to your your podcast. And we have been busy, and but but quite frankly, it's a different kind of busy now. Uh, we've actually achieved the long term stability that we've needed in Louisiana for a long time. Uh, we're, we're, we don't have a deficit. We don't have a fiscal cliff. What we have is stability, and that gives us an opportunity to focus on the policy decisions and not on the budget and, and, and revenue um, decisions. And, and so we're just in a much better place in the state of Louisiana. And that, that's one of the reasons I'm excited to be talking to you today. Well, and, and we'll begin there and we'll get into some of what's going on. But if you if, for people who are here who don't have a full lay of the land or for the people who are here but are going about their lives, raising their families, working for the future. If they had the chance to sit and ask the governor of Louisiana, where are we, how are we, what would you describe our current status as being to them? Well, we are just significantly much, much better off than we were uh, three, four years ago on a variety of fronts. And I can demonstrate it this way. Um, In 2016, when I came into office, the budget deficit exceeded $2 billion, the largest in our state's history. That was more than all of the discretionary general fund that we have, more than half, I should say, of all the discretionary general fund that we have in the state of Louisiana. Uh, And then you flash forward to the day, and we actually uh, have a uh, surplus now when we closed out the books last year. It's about $300 million. Um, We were able uh, to reduce uh, our sales tax from uh, 5% to 4.45%, that's more than $600 million in tax reduction from last year to this year. But because the economy is performing so well, we are actually have more revenue this year uh, than last. Uh, and, and that economy is, is not just performing better, it's at an all-time high. So the size of the economy in Louisiana measured by GDP uh, gross domestic product is $252 billion, mm-hmm. more than a quarter of a trillion dollars. It's never been that big before. Uh, and it's paying off for families and for wage earners because personal income is at the highest level it has ever been. Most recently, uh, it reached $215 billion. Uh, unemployment today is at 3.9%. Uh, seasonally unadjusted, that number was 6.3% the day I became governor. Um, and and w- so we have uh, an economy that is performing very well. 
Uh, we've reached stability with respect to our budget. That allows us to invest in our critical priorities like higher education. Uh, so so we're, we're meeting all of our obligations to kids on tops. We're funding need-based aid for higher education um, in an amount uh, that is historical for the state of Louisiana, the highest amount ever. Uh, and then our general fund support for our institutions of higher ed is fully stable. And for the first time in over a decade, uh, there's actually a net increase uh, in our budget proposal this year for the legislature for higher ed. That's why we're having so much success, by the way, uh, with investment and job creation in Louisiana, because we're inspiring confidence on deci- in decision makers all around the world, um, uh, that if they don't invest their money in Louisiana, they're going to have the talent necessary to be successful. So we have a, the biggest economy we've ever had, We've had the most personal income we've ever had. We've got way more people working. We have fewer people in prison. We have the most people insured in our state's history. Um, and so I'm excited. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have challenges, and we still got a lot of work to do. I absolutely get it, and nobody's more aware of that than I am, and nobody's more committed to getting it done than I am. But, but uh, Clay, we, we can face these challenges from a position of strength today, um, whereas the, the position we were in uh, just a few years ago, uh, where it was very difficult to get anything done. So I'm excited about the state of Louisiana, and right. and I and I know from talking to people all across our state uh, that there's a lot of excitement out there as well. Uh, and polling bears that out yeah. in, in terms of the number of people now who who just believe know that our state is headed in the right direction as, as opposed to the wrong direction well and you and you reference listen there is there is no real argument about the the budgetary position we were in uh, f- four years ago and even leading into that with with deficits and and just the climate of of things in louisiana and you know governor i'm into the the stark reality of what's out there versus the politics of a situation uh, if you know what i mean it's like i don't want i don't like to be spun on what's happening and i've I've known people in politics and, you know, even talk, mentioning Jay earlier, I've known the man almost 20 years and we talk realistically about what's going on. You referenced challenges and what's ahead. And I like that because I want to ask about that. What are some areas that we are lacking in and some things that we can do a whole lot better than we're doing right now? Well, one of the challenges we're trying to address um, is is our investment in K-12 education. It has been flat for 10 years. Um, you, you know, Clay, it's still true that the, the number one ingredient for quality education is to have a teacher in that classroom who no is doubt. highly motivated, professional, well-educated, no doubt. and teaching within his or her area of certification. We've made that very difficult in Louisiana for our school districts because um, whereas 10 years ago we were at the southern regional average in pay, today we're about $2,200 below that. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make an investment in our children. Uh, by increasing teacher pay so that we can attract and retain high-quality teachers in Louisiana. I think that that's critically important. And, of course, we want to do a a pay raise for support workers out there, too, because we know how underpaid they are um, uh, but but how important they are. Uh, So we we have challenges there. you know, clearly we, we have challenges uh, elsewhere, too. I yeah. mean, look, we're doing better on criminal justice, but the fact of the matter is um, we still have an awful lot of people uh, incarcerated in Louisiana. We want to make sure that we are safer as a result of criminal justice reform. Right. All the data that we have suggests that that is the case. Uh, we're being disciplined enough uh, to reinvest 
70 percent of the savings as we committed to do into uh, the criminal justice uh, reinvestment uh, so that so that we're doing more around anti-recidivism programs, more education, more training for people in prison, more mental health care, more uh, substance abuse care and treatment. Uh, so, so I think this is going to pay dividends for us for a long time to come. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we are always going to have some challenges as it relates to health care in Louisiana, even though we're doing much better, um, in terms of the, the, we have the lowest percentage of people who are uninsured in our state's history. Um, these people were uninsured for so long that they're really a sicker population than, than, than we want them to be. And there's still a lot of demand for health care. Um, and, and this has happened in every state, by the way, that's expanded yeah. Medicaid. Yeah. Um, but we expanded later than other states because my predecessor wouldn't do it. Um, and so we're at the top of that of, of that demand curve uh, for health care. And we're going to be coming down the other side of it pretty soon. But right now we're still demanding a lot of health care uh, in, in Louisiana uh, to get people diagnosed and treated, uh, whether it's hypertension, diabetes, cancer, you name it. Um, but But – the better health outcomes are, are showing up, and, and I'm excited about that. Uh, but it remains a very challenging situation uh, in Louisiana. Uh, but but there are some other things, uh, uh, Clay, that, that we're doing well that a lot of people don't ever hear about. You okay. know, For example, for three years in a row, we set all-time records for adoptions out of our foster care program in Louisiana. Um, I think that's huge for our state. Um, at any given time, we have about 4,500 kids in, in foster care. Last year, we had 912 who were adopted out of foster care, and that yeah. beat the record that had been set the year before, and, and that one had beat the record that was set the year before that. Uh, so that's really important. Uh, and, Clay, no matter what one's position is as it relates to abortion, I think everybody can agree that the the lower the number of abortions, the better. Absolutely. Uh, I am pro-life, yep. um, and am the number of abortions in Louisiana is at a 10-year low. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, we, we do have challenges. We we know that there are people out there, for example, who they may be employed, but they may not have the job that, that, that they want and that they're qualified to have. Some people are underemployed. Um, and so nobody is spiking the ball in the end zone and saying right. mission accomplished. Right. Uh, we know we still have work to do. Um, but we know that we know that we're on a much better path and, and we're committed to continuing uh, to move our state forward. I'd like to hear I'd like to hear you t- talk me through a, c- a couple of things that are in the agenda and some things that have that have been going on. And because I'd like I always like listeners to have an opportunity to hear someone formulate a thought without all of the the screaming and crap that happens in media now. That's just more circus than it is informational on the. On the issue of the minimum wage increase, you know, yeah. I know that we're talking about that now. As as a business owner, I I can see your side of the argument talking about a live a living wage for someone working in Louisiana or for that matter in any state. But I do have some hesitation about it being mandated by the government. And and I only say that because I just think there is danger in that. And then sometimes it leads to people losing their jobs because of, of a company compensating for having to pay people more. Talk me through your logic on why that's a good thing for Louisiana and Louisiana businesses. Well, thank you. It's a good thing for Louisiana because um, I think a minimum wage is important and the minimum wage has to be increased periodically just to reflect the, the diminished purchasing power of the dollar over time given uh, the uh, erosion 
uh, of that purchasing power by inflation. Sure. Uh, and and look, if Congress were going to resume its historical role in addressing the minimum wage every few years, we wouldn't need to do it in Louisiana. Congress last addressed this in 2009, so it's been 10 years. They said it's seven dollars and a quarter, and most recently Congress has told us that they're out of the business and and they're going to leave it up to states. We're one of five states without our own minimum wage, uh, and I think it's time that we join the 45 other states. Uh, and, and, you know, we just know uh, that $7 and a quarter is not enough. Uh, and and I, I hear you saying that you don't want government telling people that they got to pay better than $7 and a quarter, but if government's not going to do it, who is? Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, a $9 minimum wage is, is a modest but meaningful increase. Uh, and to address your other concern, our neighbor to the north, Arkansas, They've had three minimum wage increases. None of them have resulted in fewer jobs at that entry-level wage. Uh, and, in fact, the opposite has happened. Um, and, and so I, I think it's the right thing to do. It is, it is very popular among the, the people of the state, regardless of party, regardless of race. It, it, it crosses uh, all barriers. Um, somewhere close to 80% of the people in our state believe that $7 is inadequate, that the minimum wage uh, needs to be increased. Um, and, and so what I've asked the legislature to do this year, it's a little different than the three previous years, where I asked the legislature to vote itself to increase the minimum wage. Now I'm saying, okay, legislature, if you don't want to do that, uh, will you vote to let the people of Louisiana vote uh, to create a $9 minimum wage? I just think it's the right thing to do, and and Clay, I think that we have we're, we have people living in poverty uh, who don't need to live in poverty, uh, and and that that they should be paid better than seven dollars and a quarter. Um, and the only exception that I think that there might be to that is if you've got a young person working on a training wage or sure. something like that, and sure. if it were limited in duration uh, and scope. Uh, but but for the most part, seven dollars and a quarter is just inadequate in my view. Uh, and, and in light of Congress getting out of the business of addressing the minimum wage, I just think it's incumbent upon us to do it ourselves. And I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that the legislature will seize this opportunity uh, to finally raise the minimum wage in Louisiana. Well, and the way you're going about it what, with having it go to the people and letting the people decide is a way for you to say, listen, if, if the people want to do this, then it'll happen. And so you, you can't argue with that. You, you referenced mental health earlier, and I think mental health as an apparatus of service across the country is is not where it needs to be. And we see what the outcome of that has been. Grade where Louisiana is today on addressing those among us with mental health issues and how we are trying to go and, and tell us how we're trying to go about fixing that. Well, Thank you for the question. First of all, I'm never going to say we're where we need to be on mental health. Um, we all know that, that and, and by the way, you, Louisiana is not unique in this, um, and, and there is no family of any size that isn't impacted by one or more members with a mental health issue. And one of the things that we need to do, and, and quite frankly, the power of government to do this is, is limited, but, you know, working with um, with, with folks across the spectrum, whether they're educators, mental health providers, uh, other health care providers, uh, social workers, uh, edu- whatever, we need to destigmatize uh, mental health uh, in Louisiana and in the country so that more people will step forward and avail themselves of treatment options 
that are out there. Um, we do know uh, that, for example, with Medicaid expansion, where we've got um, 480,000 working poor adults now with health insurance, we know that they have access to mental health treatment, both inpatient and outpatient, uh, that wasn't there before because behavioral health is a component of that coverage. Um, and in the state of Louisiana, um, I can tell you that we've had 100,000 individuals receive care uh, for mental health issues, uh, and about 81,000 of those were outpatient, and, and the remaining 19,000 or so um, uh, were inpatient. And, and so that is that is critically uh, important, and it, it also uh, has a, a meant more treatment opportunities for people with substance abuse problems. And as you know, Clay, those those universes are not um, uh, that they, they, they cross over. And so right. a lot of people with mental health problems are also the ones with with substance abuse problems. And so we we've actually had over thirty thousand individuals receive substance abuse treatment, about half of those inpatient and half outpatient because of the Medicaid expansion. Uh, but but we still have to do more. Quite frankly, we don't have enough inpatient beds in Louisiana uh, for mental health. Uh, we're trying to address that um, uh, around the state and get more beds uh, in place uh, so that so that, that uh, treatment can be provided in the most appropriate setting for those who need inpatient treatment. Uh, and quite frankly, it is more than, than we have the capacity uh, to absorb right now. So we, we still have a lot of work to do. Uh, we're committed to, to doing better, to making sure that we're partnering with the federal government and drawing down every available uh, resource to make that happen, but also by working with providers around the state of Louisiana and trying to get new providers to come in. Um, uh, to the state so so that we can have more treatment options uh, for people and and so that you know for example with respect to substance abuse uh, medication assisted treatment is going to be more available and you know criminal justice reform it was important Medicaid expansion uh, was important but the two work hand in hand because individuals getting out of prison are eligible for Medicaid and so when they get out they can they can actually have their first appointment scheduled with mental health providers with substance abuse treatment providers and then the officers who are supervising them on release um, they can make sure that they're going to those appointments and that gives them a much better chance of being successful uh, than if you just open the door and let them go and say good luck to you yeah, and, and, you know, and one final thing is we only got a couple minutes left. I know that uh, the legislature is addressing the issue of jury trials, and this is all offshoots of what's happening with insurance and with with lawsuits that are from either accidents on the road or in someone's facility. Where is that right now, based upon what the House has just done and rejecting it, and and what is your position on all of that? Well. I expect that the bill, and I think you're referring to Kirk Talbot's bill, yes. and I don't know the bill number. Uh, I expect that that bill is is going to get to the Senate and 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 be modified based on conversations that I've had with individuals, um, at a minimum. And oddly enough, Clay, it's called the Omnibus uh, Insurance Premium Reduction Act, but the one thing it doesn't contain is an insurance premium reduction. 
it doesn't mandate any reduction in premiums. Um, so we have to take a good hard look at it and 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 see what the result will be. I um, I, I was paying attention the other day and watching, and, and one of the um, individuals who was testifying in support of the bill actually said he didn't believe that an insurance premium reduction would follow the enactment of the bill. Um, so we have to be very careful, um, and and you know I'm working with legislators now to see what we can advance that makes sense and that would actually uh, have a positive impact on insurance premiums, but without taking critical substantive rights away from people. And there's always a balancing yeah. uh, to be done between competing interests, and we're we're trying to work through that uh, balance right now, um, Clay, and, and and you know so. There's still a long way to go in this session, um, and and we're going to continue to be engaged. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you, for example, that the the two-year prescriptive period, I believe, would do more than anything else to lower the cost of of the tort system in Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, because uh, as soon as a lawsuit is filed, the insurance company transfers the file from an adjuster employed by the insurance company to a lawyer. And the per-file cost just went up tremendously. And it, with a longer prescriptive period, fewer cases get filed sooner, and there's more time to actually resolve the claim before litigation is filed. And I believe that that – and by the way, we have the shortest prescriptive period in the country at one year. Um, and, and, uh, and so if we would just join the mainstream of states, I think you would see uh, a big cost reduction in overall in the tort system that should reflect uh, in, the, in the premiums paid um, as well. Well, you know, I know that uh, we're up against the clock here, and I kind of wanted to, to just talk with you about some of these issues from a universal perspective. I hope if we can, in the next month or couple of months or so, schedule some time to kind of get in the weeds about some of this. It wasn't really time to do this today because it was our first conversation, but I'm hoping we can do that and that you'll come back again and talk with me and so we can deal with some of what's happening, especially since by you know by then we may be even out of this fiscal session. Well, I... I'm, I'm happy to do it, and uh, and I will make sure that we get back on your calendar and you get back on ours, and, and we can continue the conversation. And, Clay, I want to congratulate you on your 200th episode. That's a lot. That's a long-term commitment, and um, that's a lot of persistence out there. And, <laughs> and, and then I, I do encourage the people who listen to your podcast just to be excited about our state like I am. I, I am genuinely optimistic that we're heading in the right direction and that things are, are just going to continue to get better. Um, and while I, I firmly believe our state is so much better off than we were um, three years ago, I know that we still have work to do, uh, and I'm committed to working on a bipartisan basis uh, to make sure that we get it done. And having an informed uh, citizenry that actually hears from its elected officials, I think, is important. And so with your podcast, you are uh, serving, I think, an important purpose. I have people who tell me that they, they listen when they're moving across the state because that's the thing they can download it and hear it in their vehicles on Bluetooth. And I, I, I get it maybe once or twice a month, I'll get a message on social media or an email on the site about that. And I always enjoy hearing that from people. And it's important to me. But again, Governor, thank you for the time. And, uh, and you know, God bless the great state of Louisiana, huh? That's exactly right, Clay, and thank you so much.
The sixth annual Smoke Em If You Got Em fundraiser presented by Mockler Beverage takes place Sunday, May 19th at 4 p.m. at Ben 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. This year's event benefits the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation and Special Ops Survivors Foundation. Come enjoy live music, a grill station, a cigar station, a dessert station, and lots of other great surprises. Live auction items include a trip to San Diego and an unbelievable trip to Normandy. Learn more at SmokeEmBR.com. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone and intercom technology while saving money? That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call. 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here and they're going to continue to give you great service. Appreciate the governor and the commissioner of administration for being on the show with us today, talking with us. First on-air conversation of sorts with the governor. Hope to get him back really soon so we can drill down on some things. The minimum wage issue was just but one of the issues that I want to chat with him about, get his perspective on where it came from, and really just kind of talk about other things in Louisiana. We mentioned the mental health issue that is really happening across the country, but specifically here dealing with it. And, and as the governor said, which is fact, this is not just a Louisiana problem, and it is not. And obviously, many of you know that. And then talking about the business climate here. So we'll get him back on. The governor, as it stands right now, has two competitors in his bid to be reelected. And one's a businessman. One is a federal elected official. And they're always welcome to come on here as well if they want to have a conversation. That's great. In fact, for any of you, I appreciate the feedback you give. You can do it on social media, at ClayYoungBR on Twitter. Clay underscore young BR on the gram, as the kids say, Instagram, and of course on Facebook. Just look for Clay Young. And my email address is clay at podcast225.com. It's been great having y'all with me along the ride. Thanks to those of you who've been with me from the beginning, to those of you who jumped on midway, and for those of you who may be just getting on now because of this conversation and this episode we did today. I appreciate it either way. You know, my main goals, I have two of them on this thing, inform and entertain, give you a chance to be informed so that you can make up your own minds and from time to time have guests on that are going to entertain you and make you laugh. And that, that part's been great. So thank you. Enjoy your day wherever you are. Hopefully this has been a good part of it. And thank you. And I will see you or you will hear me rather on episode 201 of the Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.